0: several weeks, Church Project and Waypoints have been journeying through the book of Proverbs. And we've been trying to glean some wisdom from that book. And we've looked at that book very thematically and looked at different themes and ideas that are found in the book of Proverbs. And last week, Todd killed it with his message on courage over fear. And what a great time to hear that message. And unfortunately for me, Every time that Todd preaches, for some reason, I'm the one who follows him, and Todd sets the bar so high and does such a great job that um, I'm going to try to just see if I can meet that standard. And so this week, we're looking uh, at joy over sorrow. And joy over sorrow is an interesting topic for me personally, given um, recent things that have happened in my life. My dad passed away about a month ago, as many of you know. Um, my dad and I were really close. Um, we spent time together almost every week, and uh, we talked on the phone almost every single day. And so, for to have that severed so abruptly has been it's been jarring. And so, I've been journeying through this season of sorrow in my own life, and. Uh, As a result, sometimes when you go through sad situations and circumstances, it reminds you of other sad things that have happened in your life, and uh, it kind of compounds that sadness. But it also reminds me that I've been here before, and that I can get through this, and with God's help, I can move on. And uh, I'll always remember my dad and remember him fondly, but I have to go on living and so today, as we look at um, joy and sadness, I do want to start off with, with maybe just looking at the two words, happiness and joy, because oftentimes we use happiness and joy interchangeably, and they're not exactly the same thing, and it's good to keep that in mind. So happiness is external, and joy is internal, So your happiness bucket gets filled from outside, from outside influences. For example, going on vacation, or getting a new job, or uh, going on uh, a date, or getting married, or getting a puppy. Those are all external things that make us happy. Joy, on the other hand, is internal. So joy comes from becoming content personal satisfaction, self-achievement, setting goals and achieving the, those goals. Those things give us joy. So joy comes from within and from God, and that's how we experience joy. Happiness is something that you get. Joy is something that you are. King Solomon wrote in Proverbs seventeen twenty-two. he wrote these words, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. That is a great phrase to remember. That might even be worth memorizing. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Joy is good for you. Studies have shown that people who have joy have a a better life. They live longer, they're healthier, they make better life choices, they have better marriages. Overall, their lives are healthier. Conversely, Prolonged sorrow can lead to isolation and depression and addiction, poor self-image. Sometimes it leads to obesity or being underweight. Being sorrowful, prolonged sorrow leads to unhealthy lives. I realize that this time that we're living in, this coronavirus era, can be sad. We may not have lost somebody close to us, but we may be mourning other things. We may be mourning the loss of a job. Or we may be, if we're hourly employees, we may be mourning the loss of paychecks. If we own small businesses, we may be mourning loss of that business or wondering whether or not we can weather the storm if you're a student a high school or college student you may be mourning the loss of the relationships that you had on campus if you're a parent and your kids are now homeschooled you may be mourning the loss of your freedom in times like these It's important to keep sorrow in perspective. Having a healthy perspective can have a huge impact on how we deal with sorrow in our lives. And I want to tell you about a man. And first I have to tell you that I'm a strange, strange person and my brain functions differently than other people's and so hopefully this story resonates with you but this man was somebody who was introduced to me when I was just a young boy. And this man has helped me get through um, difficult situations and sad situations as a child and as an adolescent and now as an adult. And he's helped me through a lot of hard times. And the things that he has taught me are about perspective. So there is a man... And he's a sad, sad man. He's so sad that he doesn't even have a name. And he was walking through the wilderness one day, and he fell into a hole. And he got stuck at the bottom of that hole, and he cried day and night for somebody to come save him. He cried so much that he lost his voice, but he was so remote that nobody heard his cries. And he's lived in this hole for so long that his beard is now very very long his skin is white as a ghost it's paper thin he has almost no muscle so it looks like a sheet just draped over a skeleton and he sits there all day all night at the bottom of this hole and water drips from the surface and it's just enough water for him to stay alive and every couple of days a crow flies by and drops a loaf of bread and again it's just enough to keep him alive. And this man will stay in this hole until he dies, and he will die in this hole, and no one will know that he died because nobody knows that he's there. And this man has it worse than any other person on the planet. And whenever I'm in a situation or dealing with sadness, I think about this man and I remember that there's at least one person who has it worse than I do in this world. And when I think about this man, I'm reminded that there's a lot of people who have it worse than I do in this world. And when I think about those people, I remember that there's people in my own life that I know that have it worse than I do. And then when I think about them, I remember that my life is not that bad, that I have much to be thankful for. I have many blessings, and it helps me to keep my life in perspective when I think about this man. Sadness is not a terrible thing. It's normal. It's part of our human existence. But staying sad is a bad thing. We should experience sadness, not exist In sadness, we should experience sadness, not exist in sadness. I'm willing to admit that I'm kind of a child at heart. I love Disneyland. I love going to the Magic Kingdom. I love the magic of the whole experience. I love the rides. I love the buildings, the attention to detail, how everything there draws you into this fantasy world. And I'm the type of person that wants to be the first one in and the last one to leave. And a couple of years ago, I was in Disneyland with my family and we were riding on the trolley ride from one part of the park to another. And we made a stop and a cast member, one of the employees at Disneyland got on the trolley with us and she sat near us. And, and I could tell that she was tired after a long day of work and she was ready to go home. And, just in my glee and excitement, I just said to her, working at Disneyland must be the greatest job in the world. And she looked at me with her tired and sad eyes and she just said, not really. And she totally shut me down, but in that moment I realized that Disneyland is an awesome place to go visit, but it may not be a place that I wanna spend my life at. Sadness and sorrow is that way. It should be a place that we go visit, but it should not be a place that we live. We should not build our house in sorrow. When my dad was in the hospital, God gave me the story of David and his son, And this story has proven to be very helpful in my own life, um, and it's helped me deal with the loss of my dad. But uh, just to give you a little bit of the back story of this story, David has an affair with this woman named Bathsheba, and he sends her husband off to be killed in war. Um, He essentially is responsible for killing her husband. And she um, is pregnant and gives David a son, And David's friend, Nathan, comes and prophesies to David that his son is going to die. And David is sad. He is um, overwhelmed with grief. And so he pleads with God for the child. He begins fasting. He strips off all of his clothes and he puts on sackcloth and, and he lays on the ground and he doesn't eat any food and no... Um, he, he doesn't receive any help from his attendants, even though they're trying to help him. And at one point, the child dies, and that's where the story picks up. It says that David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate, they said. David noticed that his attendants were whispering amongst themselves, and he realized that the child must be dead. Is the child dead? He asks. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed and put on lotions, he changed his clothes and he went into the house of the Lord and he worshiped. Then he went into his own house and at his request, they served him food and he ate. And his attendants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat? And he answered, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. You may hear this story and you might think, how is this helpful? And it reminds me, that there's a season for everything. There's a time to be sad, but then there's a time to get on living, to continue living your own life. And there's a line in the story that has been tremendously helpful in this time of sorrow in my own life. When David says, I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David has hope that he will see his son again, that they will be reunited. He has a hope in God that he will see and be with his son again. If you are a follower of Jesus, sadness should not define who you are. We are heirs to a kingdom that destroys death. We serve a king that conquered the grave. We don't have to grieve forever because we have a hope that things will be made right that God is in control and that he guides our paths. In 2 Corinthians 7:10 it says this, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Godly sorrow reminds us that we need a savior. And we need to put our hope in him, that he is our salvation. Worldly sorrow just leads to suffering and death. Here's how I see it, my friends. God doesn't want us to live in sorrow. Sadness should remind us that we live in a broken world that contains suffering and God is creating a world without any suffering and he invites us to be a part of it. If we choose to live in sorrow rather than just visiting it, we will become bitter, unhealthy, and hard-hearted. And I want to tell you, if you're experiencing sorrow in your life, or you're going to experience sorrow at some point in your life. Remember these things. Number one, pray. God loves you. He is in control. He calls us and he asks us to cast our burdens onto him. Number two, reach out for help. Build relationships with people in your life that you can count on. That may, be mean, that may mean joining a house church getting in community with other people, isolation kills. When you're sad and you isolate yourself, it only leads to more suffering. But if you can get into community, community kills sorrow. Number three, share your feelings. Be open and honest with other people about what you're going through, but also remember that they may not fully understand what you're going through, and they may not have the sympathy or empathy that you're expecting, so grant them some grace. And number four, don't get bitter. Don't blame people or situations for the things that are out of their control. Number five, get professional help if you need it. There is no shame in talking to a therapist or a counselor and learning and getting tools that will equip you to deal with the sorrow in your life. I wish more people did it. My friends, know this. If you have your hope in Christ, you have hope in a future, a future without sorrow, without pain, without suffering. I would encourage you sometime this week to read Revelation 21, which reminds us that God is making all things new, that there'll be a time when he will wipe every tear from our eyes, that we will live with him forever in a place in an existence without suffering or pain or sorrow. I want to spend the last few minutes of our time, and I want to invite you into a time of reflection and meditation. I'm going to read a prophecy from Isaiah that really describes this world that God is preparing for each one of us. And so I just want these words to wash over you. I just want you to listen to these words and and take them into your soul. And so, if you'll just join me, if you feel comfortable bowing your heads and if you want to open your hands in a posture of receiving, please do that. And listen to these words as I read them over you. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. And do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The parched ground will become a pool and springs of water will satisfy the thirsty land. Marsh grass and reeds and rushes will flourish like where desert jackals once lived. And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the highway of holiness. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. Fools will never walk there. Lions will not lurk along its course, nor any other ferocious beasts. There will be no other dangers. Only the redeemed will walk on it. Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return, and they will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and they will be filled with joy and gladness. What a great promise for all of us. Sorrow and mourning will disappear and you will be filled with joy and gladness. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you take away our pain and suffering and sorrow, that if we're willing to give those things to you, you will help us through it. Thank you for the community of Church Project and the people here who want to work together to love each other well. God, I just pray that during this season of suffering that some of us are going through, that you will be our comforter, that you will grant us pre- peace, and that you will also convict us to reach out to those that have it worse off than us. Help us to keep things in perspective. Help us not to isolate ourselves. Help us to reach out to others for help and help us to lean on you in these times. And I pray these things in Christ's name, amen.